a lot of these procedures, we never want to have to use them. But when the risk is high, we've got to, to train on it regularly and turn it into muscle memory, because that's really what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's muscle memory. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. Hey, Josh, we're still in the uh, the middle of January here, 2020. It doesn't you know, feel like it. It doesn't. I'm still writing 2019. <laughs> I did that the other day. Literally yesterday, I did that. I was like, I'm not going to let it happen. And sure enough, I, I was like, one, two, three, in 2020. Or 2019. I did it this like, morning. Oh, man. Both kids Seriously. had dentist appointments, and I knew going into it, they're going to need new insurance information. They're going to mm-hmm. need new paperwork, and I still signed it. 2019. 2019. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it, but we'll get there. We're we're there. And you know what? Uh excited for 2020 and yeah. all the uh, all the stuff that honestly um Church Law Group is coming out with what you guys are doing. This is uh this is some pretty cool stuff. So I'm very excited. Yeah, we're going to uh, have some good churches. Absolutely. Making some better churches. Yep. And yeah, and so actually today we're going to be talking about that. Uh better policies around um for our churches, for our church leaders. Um really excited to kind of get into this cuz obviously it's going to benefit a lot of a lot of church leaders out there. And so um, let's kind of go ahead and jump into it. So well, let me let me oh, apologize. Oh, oh just, man. just real quick, we probably better apologize because I know hearing the word church policy, there were some <laughs> listeners who just threw up in their mouth a little bit. Yeah, they got a lot of twitching. Going yeah, like, oh, so oh. sorry about that. But <laughs> hey, we need to talk about it. Church policy is important. Absolutely, and that that is one of those things. I mean, here you know, on the uh, Law and Church Podcast, we try to make it interesting, entertaining, educational, to where it's not just you know because some of these things are you know. They, they get in the weeds a little bit. They're oh, yeah. not, not always fun to talk about. But uh, as I've learned in my personal life, if you don't take care of the basics, uh, it's, you're going to have to deal with it one way or the other. Yep. And it can just deal with it up front so that way on the back end it's not as painful. That's so, right. Um, but, yeah. All right. Can we jump in here now, Josh? I, I, think, I think we're good. Now, now, <laughs> now we can go ahead and get going. All right. I'm excited, seriously, because this is some good stuff and some good information. So, um, All right. So the first one here, and do we the acronym, we need to go through the acronym that, of BOP. Bops. That's yeah. the acronym. That's how you're going to remember. You know, here's the issue is that there are a lot of church leaders that say, um, yeah, we'll sit down and write policy, but they don't really understand what elements need to be in a policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times they don't understand the difference between a policy and a process. And they're two totally different things or a policy and a procedure. Uh, and so what I want to do uh, and what I try to help churches do is have kind of a framework, have a, a little bit of worksheet. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, the free resource it's in the show notes. You'll be able to find it on the mm-hmm. church law group. Um, there's a, a, a framework and, kind of, and a worksheet that you can use to help you craft policy statements. And what we tend to do in a church is something goes wrong. We throw a policy at it, mm-hmm. um, but we write the policy for that one incident. Well, lightning never strikes twice in the same place. So something a little bit different happens, and we write a new policy for that. And then something a little different happens, and we write another policy for that. And ultimately, what we end up with is this weird amalgamation of policies that are strewn all over the church uh, that nobody really knows what applies and when what was revised. And and they're not really policies to begin with. They're more yeah. procedural. Yeah. Um, here's what we're going to do next time to make that better. So... Um, Let's let's find a, a a really simple, easy to remember 
four-letter acronym, not word, acronym, uh, that I, I know I know there are some people thinking, hey, let's find a four-letter word for church policy. But uh, no, this is a, a four-letter acronym for church policy that'll help us figure out real simple. I mean, using this acronym, you could write a church policy in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here, here's an example. A lot of times, uh, and this is an oversimplification, but I'll, I'll get calls from people all the time. Uh, hey, we want help writing our child abuse policy. All right. I, I'll, I'll give you that for free. All right. Mm-hmm. Get a pencil. You ready? We report child abuse. There's your policy. Yeah. Plain and simple. It's how you do that that creates issues. Now, we need to go into a little bit more detail. Like I said, that was oversimplified. But ultimately, um, policy should be simple. Yeah. It should not be as hard as uh, we make it sometimes. And I hope that this uh, this framework will do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Bob, so let's kind of go through that real quick just to kind of yeah. set up the, uh, the set the stage here. So, basis, uh, objective, procedures, and scripture. So, starting off with that first one, your policy must have a basis. Yes. So you have to understand why you, you're uh, you're engaging in this particular policy, and a policy either needs to have a basis in law, needs to have a basis in ethics, or it needs to have a basis in your bylaws. Okay, or maybe your articles of organization or any other governance type document that you have a resolution from your church or, or whatever. So you've got to have a basis in one of those things. A a policy that is not based on law or ethics or something in the bylaws is hard for people to get their mind around why is this the policy. And when you have people in the church or employees who can't get behind why that's the policy, why that's the rule, guess what that tends to do? It tends to create a little bit of division. People Mm -hmm. don't like the rule, they don't understand the rule, and they start getting their feathers ruffled and they start ruffling other feathers and rocking the boat and now you've got one of those... Churches in court. Yeah, yeah. From last week, go 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 listen to that episode if you hadn't yet. Uh, you, you end up with churches in court, uh, and so, uh, and that's obviously worst case scenario. Yeah, but yeah. more commonly, what you end up with is certainly just division in the church. Uh, plain and simple, you, you, there's just division. And so, when you're writing a policy, if you'll start by thinking through. Uh, and getting counsel, because uh, I know most pastors aren't lawyers, so getting some counsel on what legal basis, what ethical, organizational ethical basis, what uh, is in our bylaws that says this is the foundation of our policy, provides a great reason why. You know, if you have a rule uh, or a policy in your church that somebody doesn't like, and you can tell them the law requires it, mm-hmm. or the lawyer said we have to do this. Boy, that takes a lot of heat off of you as a oh, church absolutely. leader. Yeah. Blame the lawyers. That's what everybody else does. <laughs> Blame the lawyers. Um, but having that basis can diffuse those situations, and it can and kind of get some of that pressure off the pastor. So uh, make sure those policy documents have um, one of those three bases, something in law, something in ethics, or something in, uh, in your bylaws that say, here's why we need to have this policy. Absolutely. All right, so number two, uh, the O, so your policy must have an objective. And it needs to have an objective. Policy documents, the way they're written right now, tend to hold churches back. They tend to tell people what they cannot do. Okay, so your, your policy manual is a bunch of rules. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. I don't like holding the church back. I want the church to advance the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and so when we talk about those things, um, what, what's the objective? What, what, what goal do we have 
in setting this policy? What is this designed to do? We're going to talk about this more in a couple of weeks when we start talking through better processes. Uh, but there's a gentleman by the name of William Deming, uh, who's a, a, a scholar that I study quite a bit, uh, and he's famed for st- saying, "If you can't describe what you do in a process, then you don't know what you're doing." Mm. All right, and and there's there's a lot of truth to that. If you yeah. can't describe step by step by step how to do something, then you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so we've got to be able to describe those things. At the same time, if you don't know where you're going and you don't know what the objective is, what the mission is, what the goal is, then I don't care if you have the ability to do step-by-step-by-step how we're going to do this process. There's no guarantee you're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So the policy is, is the starting point for a whole bunch of different procedures, and we'll go into that in just a minute. Um, and, and it's not the starting point, it's the end point. Mm-hmm. The policy is the end point um, for a whole bunch of different procedures. So wherever your church is, the policy is where you want to be, and your procedures are how you're going to get there. We'll talk about that again later, but um, you've got to have that vision. You've got to have that goal. What is the objective of this policy? And it again, it goes back to the same thing as the basis. If people don't understand why, they don't understand the purpose, if they don't understand the need, if they don't understand the goal, if it gets to a point where they disagree with it or you have to tell them no or no, you can't do that, yet, people are going to get their feathers ruffled and mm-hmm. you're going to end up with more division. So. The objective is another great way to help people understand why. And it's a great place for you to to, to look theologically and look missionally. Yes, yes. Where are we going? What Absolutely. What's the purpose of this? And even in those policies where we have to say, don't do this, the reason we don't do that is because here's our objective. Yeah. And so when we say, don't counsel people of the opposite sex alone, our objective is holiness. Yeah. Our objective is purity. Our objective is to be above reproach. Uh, and, and so, and, and a lot of these things overlap too. I mean, uh, there are a lot of those things, words that I just said come right out of scripture and we'll talk about that in a minute as well. Uh, but ultimately that's the objective. And so you, you put this together and you've got your basis and you've got your objective. Uh, it really forms a great, why are we doing this and where are we going? Uh, and that if you can convince people of those things, then it can propel your church rather than hold it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, All right, so number three, your policy must refer to procedures that it governs. Kind of hit on this a little bit. So, you know, a lot of times when I take a look at a policy that a church has drafted, it's really a procedure. And they get very large and very cumbersome and very difficult because one policy, for example, we report child abuse, there are a whole bunch of different procedures that are going to have to you're going to have to go through in order to get you to that objective or yeah. get you to that goal. Yeah. Uh, and so, for example, you're going to have a training process that you're going to have to go through, and that training process is going to talk about who a mandated reporter is. It's going to talk about what do we do with incident reports and so forth and so on. Then you're going to have to have the actual reporting process. Then you're going to have to have the incident response process. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have to have parental um, information uh, and a process on how you inform the parents or when you inform the parents. So there are a whole bunch of different procedures that all point to that one policy, Mm -hmm. that one objective of reporting child abuse. So your child abuse policy, if it includes all those procedures, is 13, 14, 15, 20 pages long. And then you're going to ask a volunteer who serves two hours a week at most to go read that and to understand <laughs> it. 
That's tough. That, that can that can be tough. That can yeah. even twenty pages can be daunting. So ultimately, what we want to do, we want to break it down. We want to make it real simple. And so instead of your policy document saying um, all of those processes at once, just refer to them. But put your processes in a different document. Name it, number it, however you want to to characterize it, and just put a reference in that policy to those procedures. Here are the procedures that this policy governs. And if you'll do that, then in any given situation, all they have to do is look at the policy. They automatically have a reference to the procedure, and then they go and do it. And it just makes it really, really, uh, it streamlines things. It makes it much more palatable, puts things in smaller bites for people to comprehend and understand. And it has the perk of protecting your church. Yeah. Because if they know those procedures, if they know the policy and they know the why and they're being followed and those procedures are legally defensible, then we know that, that it's, you're, you're mitigating your risk of something going wrong mm-hmm. uh, and then bringing some liability on the church. So all that to say, we just need to have those policies in the documents that we can reference Um but we don't need to have the procedures in the policy itself. We just need to have the references. Yeah. So, you know, looking at this from from an actual church standpoint, you know, how often do you think um, we need to have these meetings? You know, th- something's updated in our, our policies or our procedures, um, you know, making sure that our volunteers get copies of those so that way they can refer. There's not some hidden document, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, what what are you, what's your advice in that scenario? So two things come to mind. One, it deals with the nature of the policy or the process. If you're in child abuse protection mm-hmm. um, or if you're working with children in any way, shape, manner, or form, that's an annual thing. Yeah. You, you need yeah. to retrain on that annually. And I don't care if you hadn't changed anything. You just need to remind yourself. Yeah. Um, the higher the risk, the more frequently you need to train. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Just plain and simple. When, when you think of a security team, all right, I'd be interested to go pull the statistics and to see how many law enforcement officers never fire their weapon in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. But how many of those law enforcement officers train every week and every day sometimes yeah, yeah. to use that weapon in those situations and never have to use it? Mm-hmm. All right. So a lot of these procedures, we never want to have to use them. But when the risk is high, we've got to to train on it regularly and turn it into muscle memory because that's really what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's muscle memory. Uh, and the same thing applies. If you're going to have a security team at your church, you guys got to train constantly, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing this in-house and you're not outsourcing your security uh, operations. If you're going to do that in-house with volunteers, you need to train regularly uh, because if you have somebody in there who's carrying a weapon who freezes under pressure, uh, then that's that's not going to work. Yeah. So you've got to train. When I went and got my concealed carry, uh, it was the sheriff who was teaching the class, uh, and and he said for a civilian that doesn't train on a regular disciplined basis, when they pull that weapon in a a scenario of stress, they're going to miss eight out of nine shots. Mm. Uh, yeah. And he now he said that and trying to tell us don't go buy a revolver because you only have six shots. And if you miss eight <laughs> out of nine, you're probably going to miss every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good advice, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, he kind of had his own little spin on it, but ultimately that's the same thing's true. If you don't train under pressure, if you don't understand um, the, the, the adrenaline and the fight or flight response, those automated processes, you're going to cause more harm yeah. than yeah. Uh, th- than you remi- remedy um, uh, or remediate. So, um, 
it just depends on the nature of the risk. Yeah, that's absolutely. a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, it's great because I mean that that puts it in real life uh, perspective because there are so many situations with child abuse, with mm-hmm. um, you know stuff happening in the church, or even you know us, you know, being I'm, I'm an adoptive father, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, you as well, and going through the foster care process for us, you know, of, of the trainings and things going, and every year we updated and we had the, all these learnings, and and even at, at times when needed, you would forget. Yeah. Those specific things that you actually had to, you know, that you've been trained on. And yeah. so it is very important to make sure that our churches, uh, you know, are updating these trains, keeping volunteers in the know on, hey, during cer- certain situations, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah. Um, I think this is, I think it's fantastic. So, all right. And so that brings us to number four. Your policy must contain scripture that supports the objective. That's right. So I know we talked last time about the need to be judicious and how we use the uh, ecclesiastical abstention doctrine if we end up in court. And we don't want to overuse it, and we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into a, a situation where we never have the ability to go to court and get redress if it's absolutely necessary. Last, you know, worst case scenario. Um, but here is an instance in which I want to bolster the church's ability to claim that if necessary, to claim the ecclesiastical abstention doctrine. And, you know, again, we're, we're in a situation where there are some judges who are saying, I'm just not going to deal with a church in court, period. Uh, and we saw that last week in churches in court. We've seen previous episodes of churches in court in which you've got judges who are saying, I'm going to sidestep the ecclesiastical abstention doctrine. We're going to go through bylaws or business organization law or some other law in order to get around that ecclesiastical abstention doctrine. So for those cases, uh, and if you live in one of those jurisdictions where you've got judges that want to get around ecclesiastical abstention, then you need some means by which you can go to court and say this is a religious, theological, biblical issue mm-hmm. over which the court has no expertise or jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, and if your policy documents that you're writing saying, here is our legal basis or our ethical basis or our bylaws basis, and here is the scriptural underpinnings of what we believe and the theological um, kind of uh, underpinnings of what we believe, then you have a document with which you can go to a judge and say, Judge, here's our policy. Here um, is, is the legal basis for it. Here's why we need to, needed to have this, or our ethical basis, or here's what was in our bylaws. Uh, you know, here's what our objective was. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are the procedures that this policy governed. But judge, what you need to see is that here are the theological beliefs that underline this policy, yeah. that underline that objective, that underline these procedures. And when you have that, it automatically couches everything the church does in terms of scripture. Now, some are going to hear that and go, well, you're just you're trying to manufacture evidence or or you're trying to uh, you know, pull the wool over a judge's eyes. Well, what is it uh, that a church should do that doesn't align with scripture? Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Yeah. Churches when we when we act, we need to align with scripture. Yeah. Plain and simple. And so if you've got the scripture in there, anything that the church does is religious in nature. Now, there's sometimes where you're just not going to have that argument. Okay, if if the policy is we're not going to report child abuse, um, you're going to have a hard time finding, at least in my opinion, theological basis for, for yeah. that. Oh yeah. Uh, there are certain circumstances in which 
Uh, that's just not going to work. But it's going to be those egregious ones. Yeah. Those close calls where and somebody just made a mistake or um, it was really kind of one of these gray areas. When you have a religious, theological, biblical, scriptural basis for doing something, it automatically uh, is going to th- raise some red flags in a judge's mind. Do I even have the authority to hear this case as a secular judge. Yeah. Um, and that's an argument that your trial attorney is going to want to make. Um, and, and they're going to want to have that in their back pocket. And this is just the best way to make it um, make, make it uh, as strong as it could be. Yeah. But at the same time, and we've talked about this a lot, and we're going to talk about it again a lot uh, in our next uh, episode here in a couple of weeks, this also goes to why. This biblical basis, when you... Tell somebody no because church policy says we can't do that, and you have a basis in law, ethics, or bylaws, and you have a clear objective of that policy, and you say, here's what the Bible says about it. Mm-hmm. Now you, you, you've got a policy document that's just not a legal document. It's not just something that protects your church. You've got something now that you can use to disciple somebody who's wanting to serve or do something in the church. Yeah. All right. When was the last time you used a policy document to disciple a member of your church? Hmm. That's very interesting. Probably doesn't happen, yeah. right? No, no, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it probably doesn't happen. And so this is a way you can do that, you know. And and again, it doesn't have to be legislative. You don't have to write it like you know, you're writing a bill that is sitting on Capitol Hill, you <laughs> you write it as if it is a, uh, a a statement of what you're going to do or why you're going to do it for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah, because yeah. that's what we're all about, anyways. Yeah, that's what we're all about, anyways. So, got to have those. Absolutely, and I, and I think honestly, I mean, that kind of gives that confidence in what we're doing. It's it's almost been laid out ahead of time. Well, it has been laid out yeah. ahead of time of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves and how to treat each other. And those those things have been set up through Scripture. And so it's nice to be able to uh, step back and, and be able to already have that guide, you know, uh, ahead of time and things yeah. that we should be doing. So um, you know, with a lot of businesses, that's not out there, you know. <laughs> but if for churches, it is, and it's already yep. established. And so yep. um, I think that's fantastic. So um, resources, Josh, do we have anything for those church leaders who are like, yes, I want to make sure that our policies are on point? What what can we do with that? Absolutely. So in the show notes, you'll find a link, or you can just go to the churchlawgroup.com. You're going to have the ability to download a worksheet that walks you through everything that we just talked about. Okay. So, you know, when you're writing a, a policy that says we report child abuse, okay, we, we need to write a child abuse policy. Mm-hmm. All right. Your basis for that is law. People who work with children, including clergy, are mandated reporters in 49 out of 50 states, if not 50 out of 50 states. Mm-hmm. All right? So there's our basis. The law says we are mandated reporters. Our objective is to make sure that children receive the care that they need and that abusers don't find their way into the church. And if they do, we respond to it appropriately. Okay? So our objective, our goal is to, number one, not have child abuse. Uh, and number two, to make sure we respond to it quickly so that children have what they need in the event that it occurs. Okay, So there's your objective. You're going to have all sorts of procedures like we talked about in this episode, um, and you're going to have all sorts of Scripture. Let the little children come under, unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Um, uh, for any one of you who causes one of these little ones to stumble, it will be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around uh, his neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, So you refer to those Scriptures. There's your policy. Yeah. Right there. Perfect. Plain and simple. And so we're going to have that worksheet out there for you. Uh, And you can just print off blank copies of it. um, Write all the policy you want to. Go crazy. (laughs) Write in policy. There you go. 
That's been another episode of Law and Church, and all the resources we've talked about today will be in the show notes. Uh, you can get those show notes on the Church Law blog at thechurchlawgroup.com or on our podcast website at lawandchurch.com. And of course, the show notes will always be available in your favorite podcasting app. That's right. And go do us a favor. Please go subscribe and review to our podcast. Listen, our heart is for the local church, and there are church leaders who really need to hear this stuff. And your review and subscription of the podcast just makes it that much more likely. And certainly we're going to be talking about stuff next week uh, that you're going to want to hear as we go into more detail. So uh, your subscription is also going to help make sure that you have access to that. And so uh, go do that. And then also make sure to go join the Church Law Group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Law and Church, and you will find that group. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Yep, And we will uh, see you next week.